comic book pit. Okay. To puberty. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> when it's time to change, it's time to rearrange. Dan, they may have some questions about your body. <laughs> and they're perfectly normal. I'm getting I'm getting hair in weird places, guys. This is Comic Book Pit two seventy eight. Uh, I'm Dan and uh, we've got a amazing panel of, of uh, folks with us today. So Don't over don't oversell it. <laughs> <laughs> well there's uh Jared. With Hello. His, with his moon mist. Fago moon <laughs> mist, the official drink of Comic Book Pit. That's right. <laughs> and on the uh, pretty purple couch, we've got... Uh, I am Paul McGinty from the McSauce Comic Book Podcast. And... <laughs> I'm Chip. I work at New Dimension Comics at the Century 3 Mall. Yay. So we, uh, we've assembled this mega team to... Talk some comic books. Um, would I you, would you th- would you consider this more a Voltron situation or a Devastator situation? Oof. Um, I don't know. What what do you think? What what what, what do we got here? Are we more aerial bots today? I think we're missing either a limb or a, <laughs> a head. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we're a handy capable Voltron. <laughs> We're pirate Voltron. We have a big <laughs> leg. Um, actually, so I, I wanted to start off with a with a quick um, uh, kind of going back a couple of episodes to our um, discussion of Amazing Spider-Man 800. It was a big one because, uh, well, I read um, just to I felt like I needed closure on the whole thing, so I read. Eight, uh, Spider-Man 801. Good. I'm glad. I, I read it right before I left to come down here today. Okay. That was the final Dan Slott Spider-Man, right? Yes. Yep. 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 Um, and did you read it? I didn't. Okay. It's just like a pithy, um, this is what Spider-Man means type issue. So mm-hmm. it really has no, it's, it's a very much a standalone. Right. Yeah. It, uh, it was, it was very much like sugar coated. Yeah. Oh yeah. You yeah, know, yeah. but, um, Marcos Martin art though, so right. It was very, very nice to look at. Yeah. Um. It. it, it I feel like it. Yeah. It, it felt weird reading it after the fact, like after the end of everything. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't like it wasn't a bad issue. It just felt out of place at this point. No. It. It. it it's almost a filler issue because it. It has. It advances no plot. It wraps mm-hmm. nothing up. It's merely just the spirit. Uh, it's a spirit of Spider-Man story, mm-hmm. and we've seen issues like this before. I mean, it's nothing new, but uh, yeah, that's all it was. It was just just one last little love letter mm-hmm. to Spider-Man. Yeah. Why wouldn't they wait and just scrap that issue and start eight hundred one with the with the um, Nick Spencer run? 
It's probably just one of those like uh, send off for dance lot kind of issues because you don't really want to do it at the end of the the big red goblin story. So um, you just here's the, him him's probably just speaking from his his heart because he's been on the book for. Like like ten years, ten, ten years, years, ten, twelve years, or something. So I feel like just based on when I flip through it, it's like, yeah, this is just him, like uh, just doing a story and like what Spider-Man means to him, and like just the last page, kind of like, mm-hmm. you know, see you guys later. Like it was, I, you know, I figured that's what that was. Yeah, just a some like send off for somebody who's been on the book so long. Yeah, is this normally what happens? I don't, I don't remember a lot of this going on after long runs. Like um, I, usually I'm under the impression that the last book like of the run is the one that they get of, all this out. Yeah, so like I, it should have been at the end of the Red Goblin issue. Yeah. Well, then it would have been really out of place because that was a high-intensity, uh, lots of stakes on the line and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So usually it's like a page, not like they, right. gave, they, gave, him mm-hmm. a, they gave him a whole issue. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, I'm, I'm surprised they didn't do, at least unless I missed it, they didn't really do anything like that when Bendis left like his last official marvel issue was iron man 600 they kind of did which was kind of a weird thing for him to end on he kind of did it in one of the letters pages for spider-man okay but they didn't give him like a like a like a final like a send-off issue no there wasn't anything filler he just wrapped stuff up but he went um he he went heart to heart in what in the uh was it miles morales book Mm -hmm. so he's like yeah if anybody reads this open open invitation if you see me in a con to say you read this and I'll give you a hug <laughs> like just for the you know support and him being able to do that character so long yeah but um but yeah Paul you're right they they usually don't do like give I feel like they don't usually give them like a, like an, a single issue to actually say goodbye mm-hmm. like you said Chip it's usually in a letter column yeah or, something. or just like you know write like, a letter you know I think Peter David had something that was very similar on uh, his the end of his Captain Marvel run. Like, his last issue, mm-hmm. like, very much felt like, you know, it was him speaking to us, you know, through the characters. I think his last issue on Hulk was kind of the same way. Mm-hmm. So, it's not in a while have I seen this. Usually abrupt, abrupt departures, they just leave. Yeah. Nobody usually stays on books this long. They just ghost. Yeah. I guess Marvel wanted that extra couple bucks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There was probably there was probably a gap in the publishing schedule. I bet that was a thing. Yeah. So. And what is irritating, and this is beating the deadest of horses, is that it's not eight oh two where the new creative team takes over. It's a brand new number one. And as the retailers, do you see a spike in ones or? If they if they do them appropriately and aren't doing, oh, we have another idea like six months later, and mm. it it gets in the way of what they're doing like it's a problem but it it does work it gets me interested again like you know because it's such a fast pace i'm like oh you know it should new creators with different directions should have number ones but you can't do it you know every six months and then nobody cares Mm -hmm. but like yeah they've been so bad about that over the last few years that why would anyone give a shit that this is another number one because Mm -hmm. like the way marvel's been running things there's just going to be another Spider-Man number one in six months. Well, well, especially since they they made a, a big deal about bringing back the original numbering for for everything. So you know, oh, like, that was a gimmick. They they're like, oh look, Spider-Man's <laughs> back to 800 issues, and then Isn't it's this like all a gimmick, Chip. And we're no, back I to had, number one. Well, I have a point. You know? Like, it, I thought that they were just going to long-term go to legacy numbering, mm-hmm. and then I noticed 
Oh, all of these books are hitting a milestone issue. Yeah. All of them. Yeah. Iron Man, Thor, Cap. Yep. Yeah. And it was that. And then, all right, we're done with those. Bye. Mm-hmm. Like, like, oh, I feel manipulated. Because they do. I mean, they're they're bringing out number ones for everything again. Thor, mm-hmm. yeah. Cap. Iron, so they're all you know. good, all good jumping on points. Like, mm-hmm. I'm excited for a lot of this new lineup of things. So. Well, that that kind of that helps me segue oops, <laughs> a little bit. Excuse me as I drop everything. Um, so I I, um, I read Tony Stark Iron Man number one with Dan Slott moving over to Iron Man. Did anyone else read that? No. Negative. No. No, no it had a bunch of covers, but yeah, get a chance to read it. Okay. Oh, is that what that was? I saw that. It was like a whole row of covers. Yep. Yeah, yeah. There was like store. at least yeah. twenty, twenty-five covers. Yeah, that's insane. Why would they do that? Do they really expect? Is the collector's market that big that someone's going to buy twenty-four covers? Yeah, yeah. I think it's kind of a thing. Blame um, Action Comics uh, one thousand. I feel like when they did like ten covers and everybody responded to those, then Marvel's like, oh, okay. Here's a bunch of Spider-Man eight hundred covers. Like they only released, they only originally solicited like three or four, but then it ballooned to like ten. Mm-hmm. Like once I, you know, after uh, Action Comics did so well, yeah, might not be connected, but it feels connected. And then like like Iron Man's like, oh yeah, here you go, and there's all the suits. Like, holy crap! Yeah, yeah. I'm not a collector of comics. Like I like collect and I read them, but I don't buy comics to collect them or to have you know all 25 covers. I get them, I read them, and after that, like, I'm normally coming back down to the store, like, reselling them. You know, so I, like, I don't understand, comic book-wise, I don't understand that collector's mentality of I'm going to drop, like, $5 a piece on 25 books. Yeah, it's, it's, mm-hmm. I've, I, I saw somebody buy all 10 action comics eight uh one thousands and they're like ten dollars eight dollars a piece yeah like, my goodness what like, no way could i justify it. i don't like, spend a hundred bucks on these covers i mean there's mm. better things to spend money on right uh, <laughs> I, I wish i had i guess it depends income to yeah just, i mean like, i guess depen- that i guess it depends place. on your your perspective but yeah i mean <laughs> uh, you know apparently like that person sees a you know season end game to it <laughs> for like whatever like either personally or financially I imagine it's personally because I how, yeah, how yeah. could that possibly you're going to wait a thousand years for that to be of any value because just demand supply and demand it's economics yeah I think they mm-hmm. I think a lot of them just want it because it's, yeah. it's Superman it's a milestone it's not I, I didn't necessarily get a vibe that it was um, for you know speculation but yeah. it was a just they really like Superman. It's just their thing, so they wanted to have all the covers. I just remember uh, it was uh, I forget what issue it was. This was years and years and years ago when uh, Superman and Lois Lane got married. Right? It was just you know, and I guess it must have been in an article somewhere that somehow my dad read. So he only reads like the Wall Street Journal, so or like you know or whatever financial magazine he was reading at the time. He comes home, and he knows I. He, he remembered that I used to occasionally get pick up the you know random comic book down at the local Rite Aid. He'd hand me like five. He handed me five bucks, and he says, "Go down and buy as many of the, the that issue as you can." I'm like, with five dollars? 
Well, at the time, I mean, I think they were only like get you one sixty cents a piece. They were, yeah, they might have been seventy five cents or a dollar a piece. No, that was like ninety six because that coincided with the TV show. I remember it. It was like well, regardless, he handed me a, a, a undetermined amount of money and <laughs> said, right. "Go buy as many Sorry, of these I as you mean can." To poop all over the story. Yeah, thanks, logistics. man. I'm trying to tell like this heartfelt story about my dad, but whatever. <laughs> No, but to my to my <laughs> knowledge, story of your father being a, a being crass a, speculator. <laughs> <laughs> to my knowledge, he still has those uh, whatever dozen same copies of that issue when Superman and Lois Lane got married, still in the Rite Aid bag at the bottom of his uh, like his, his cedar chest. Oh, that's awesome. See, they're they're not direct markets though. So there's, uh, there's the first. Oh, he didn't know that. Uh, yeah. And at the time, I was like, okay, whatever, it's your money, old man. <laughs> you know. So, yeah. Did you know that at the time, Dan? Like, were you hardcore into books then? I mean, I, I had I had my own copy, but I didn't. I, I certainly <laughs> didn't buy twelve of them, just because you know I, I wasn't really like a huge fan. I mean, I, I bought it just to read it because oh, Superman's getting married. Um, it was you know pure interest, but. No, I I don't know what he read. You didn't or what. turn your nose up at the the right aid issue. I didn't. I, that well, that's where I you know that's where I started buying comics was uh, drugstores mm-hmm. and you know Giant Eagle. I mean there wasn't. I didn't I didn't get to my first uh, comic shop until oh geez ninety eighty nine or ninety. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, like there were really no comic shops in the area I lived in, and it's not like I lived out in the middle of the sticks. I mean I lived in you know right down the road in Mount Lebanon, so. And it wasn't until uh, Time Tunnel moved into Castle Shannon. Right. That was the first, uh, like, real comic book store that I that I went to. And that's, you know, and then that's when the all the speculation started, you know. But I never really got into to all that. I just, you know, I bought what I liked, and that was it. Fair enough. So. Dropping eggs for segues with stuff mm-hmm. in the news. I don't know if we'll do this in this episode or the next episode, but. Your references to uh, the feeder market, as I mm-hmm. learned it's called. Okay. Oh, we'll get to it later. Yeah, we can. Oh, we no. can. We can. You're talking about <laughs> Tony Stark, Iron Man. Yeah. One. Well, yeah, we can. Yeah, That's no. a tease, Jared. Yeah. 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 It's, save totally, that. Yeah, save it's that it. for the next one. Um, it's done here in the industry is known as a, <laughs> as a tease. No, I was, um, you know, having just read that Spider-Man issue and knowing that Dan Slott was moving on to Iron Man, I was kind of, you know, interested. So I, I read it. And um, it was okay. It Glowing was, praise. Yes. It was, <laughs> no, really. I mean, it was just like, it, it felt like it, it, sh- it was like just a single, it could have just been a single issue, like for Free Comic Book Day or They're probably going to use that for the trade blurb. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's okay. okay. It's okay. Dan from <laughs> Comic Book Day. <laughs> no, you know, it was, it, I felt like he was just trying a little too hard with uh, with the humor. And he was he was making it more, way more jokey than I mean. Obviously, like there's a certain amount of jokiness with Robert, you know, having right. Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man. That everyone knows that, you know, he's irreverent and you know, whatever. But um, <laughs> the zany Iron Man, exactly. Is but, uh, uh, like where is what's what's happening with Tony Stark right now? I've never read Iron Man books, so like. Aside from some Avengers or like team books yeah. that had guessed in, I um, so I was trying to catch up with the the last six or eight issues of the Bendis run before I started reading this first this new first issue. Was he in that or was that um, Ironheart? Uh, both. 
he was he was back. What? It was the return. Yeah. And which one was Doctor Doom? That was the infamous. Uh, yeah, Iron that Man. one. Yep, yep. Which okay. was a separate series, but he was also in like yeah this the, the last Bendis storyline of Iron Man. It was like a convergence of all the characters because he was he was in a coma, and I think. Uh, from what I understand, I, know, I didn't read it, but from what I understand, um, following the events of Civil War II, he was in a coma, but his consciousness was um, an, an AI. It was like a like art. Like, Sounds was about. This, I, I, yeah, I saw things. There was like this hologram Tony Stark um, okay. that was helping Ironheart, and then um, so that was actually Tony Stark. For yeah, for all intents and purposes, okay. it was Tony Stark, but it wasn't like. Him physically, yeah, physically. Right. It was just his like consciousness and sure. however it was programmed, so like um, uh, to respond as Tony Stark would. But it did that end up going back into Tony Stark, or was it just a, an amalgamation? Well, so 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 that's the thing. I haven't right. finished reading the run, okay. Okay. but um, his his body went missing, and then so there was the whole hunt for Tony Stark storyline, um, which I which obviously was resolved at the, in like the end of the storyline because he was back and he had like a new body whatever mm. that means they they really don't they, they only make a, a very light reference to it in this new first issue um, about his new body and being abducted or something there's they're, they're really just starting fresh um, and there's just the, like this new uh, new paradigm with the whole uh, it's like Stark Unlimited is now what his his company's called. It's like his company changes names like every five issues or something. It's, um, but it's it's more like a it, it's it's really like he's adopting his Spider-Man or slot. I mean, is adopting like his Spider-Man mentality as far as um, he's got an entire like cast of characters surrounding Tony now. Um, Rhodey's there. Um, his head of security is um, someone who was a character like way back in the day it was like something uh cabe just no not jessica something her last name is cabe she's this redhead um she's the head of security they introduced this new character from tony's past who then he hires to work on ai at his place and um like bethany cabe Beth, that's it bethany cabe thank, thank you. you google <laughs> um <laughs> But it was uh, it was it was like fun and funny, but it was kind of also kind of shallow. So I don't really know, and, and there's really no clear direction on where they're going with this. So it just you know, was it maybe shallow because it's a setup issue? Uh, yeah, but it, it just I feel like you can you can it can be a setup issue, but it can also give you some some idea. What they what they want to do with the character, which have a little substance. I'm I'm not surprised to hear it was just okay because I feel that Dan Slott is a unusual choice for Iron Man. Yeah, and like I'm interested in Dan Slott's Fantastic Four coming out. Oh yeah, was that yeah. August or something like that. Yeah. That seems more natural fit. Mm-hmm. Iron Man just seems odd. Why is it? Why is Fantastic Four more of a natural fit? I don't know anything about Dan Slott other than that Spider-Man run was pretty divisive. 
Um, yeah, I feel with Fantastic Four in his reverence towards like the history of Marvel and just the way he writes, like you said, like the the the, the family units. I think those are all things that tend to go to his strengths mm-hmm. as a writer um, by having that first family of Marvel, so to speak, and everything that involves. It just feels tonally and. I don't know. I, I don't really have all the words yet, other than say I just feel like it caters more to his strengths as a writer yeah. than Iron Man. Mm-hmm. Just seems like an odd choice. But I, I, I'm like you. I don't read yeah. Iron Man comics. Mm-hmm. I, so. I, I feel like he, he writes more with his heart than I, like like if you read. I, I know you. I think we both read his Silver Surfer run with All Red, right? Yeah, yeah. Which I loved. Very good. I thought that was a really great run of of comics, and I've never really even been that much of a Silver Surfer fan, but. This like that run, I would, I would give that to anybody. Yeah. Like that collection, I would give it to anybody because it was just a really good run of, of of stories, and it was really heartfelt. And you know, you could tell that was coming from somewhere deep inside. Yeah, and and, and that was also like you said to give it to someone. It was also very self-contained. There was only yes. slight allusions to any other events going on. Uh, it was all just a you know, very yeah. You didn't have to. Piece. You didn't have to have read. You know. Uh, the, the last 30 or 40 years of mm, no, Fantastic no, Four yeah. and Silver Surfer and whatever. It to, gave you uh, everything you needed to know. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So um, I might pick up the second issue just to um, just to see if it has any 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 teeth to it. Um, I will say that uh, the art was pretty amazing. Uh, it was uh, Valerio Shitty. Mm-hmm. Is that how you pronounce it? Why do you say shitty? I've heard both, but I prefer to say sheety. <laughs> That's probably better. He's he's definitely not sheety. No, he's he's unsheety. <laughs> he's no. He's, it, it, it actually reminded me a lot of um, uh, had a little Stuart Eminem to it. So someone's got to fill that gap. Yes, sir. How did he retire? Yeah. Evidently, oh, yes. sad. Is it like so? Is he retired? Retired? Done with comics? Or is he just going to be a cover guy now? I think he's re- he's going to be retired in that like how you know like a an athlete will retire for like a couple of years and then he'll come back you know and then maybe or, don't announce retirement just say you're taking a break yeah well you, you know I don't know that he he personally actually said anything I know um, his inker made a statement. Oh yeah, that's true. That's all so, I ever saw. Yeah, I don't know that anyone uh, like. I don't think that he actually made an official statement, like announcing his his intentions. I think it was just he wonder, let people do it for him. I wonder if it was like health related, to where he just can't maintain kind of a consistent. How is Stuart Eminent? Because um, I mean, I've been reading his stuff for twenty been, years. I was gonna say he's been he's been doing professional work at least since I the, remember him on Adventure the 90s. Superman's when I first yeah he was doing. Uh, only, 50s, 50s, 60, probably. Okay. You think he's that old? Yeah, I don't uh, think he's that old. Google. Check Google. If only if only we had the technology. <laughs> you know, to yeah, sometimes it's fun just to wildly speculate, too. <laughs> his, um, his issues of Star Wars were the only ones I liked. Like, I I don't yeah, th- think those you were can... Good. I, I had a hard time with a lot of those. I don't think you can really tell the kind of stories they wanted to tell between A New Hope and an Empire, the mm-hmm. way they were doing it. Um, nothing really felt like Mark Hamill, Carrie Fisher, and Harrison Ford until he got on it, and then he made the you know the way he drew the characters and the the likenesses 
the dialogue sounded more like those voices coming out of those people than it did with even John Cassidy when that run started. Yeah, John John Cassidy. I mean, I, I, I I've always liked him and I still like him, but his 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 work comes across very is very stiff. Yeah, no, no. It's there's a there's several artists like that. Um, their stuff looks amazing, but mm-hmm. like, oh yeah, they're just standing there. It's very static. Yeah. There's not a lot of dynamic um, to their their page design and stuff. If but. you're gonna if you're gonna draw a comic book based on actors, based on a movie that like you know Mark Hamill is the first Luke Skywalker. We know what he looks like. It's not mm-hmm. like Superman, who's a comic book character whose you know face has changed over the last eighty years. Sure. Luke Skywalker looks like Mark Hamill. Draw mm-hmm. him like. Mark Hamill. Like so if you, you can't do that, don't. So you pr- you prefer that, that they try to? I, I well, I think there's a fine line between making it look too, too like you get someone like um, Mike Diodato or um, uh, Salvador Larocca, who clearly they're it's like their their drawings looks straight from like street like screen caps. Right. You know that's too much. Like that that kind of takes me out of it. Yes, I have thoughts on this topic as well. I'm with you, Dan. I don't like the. I, I'm, I'm with you too. If you can't do it, don't do it. Get some. I like. I agree with you. Say I like when they look like the actors, but I don't like when they look like they're just photo reference and they're static right. and lifeless. There are some artists who do a very good job of capturing likenesses, but are still able to put energy and emotion into the renderings of the characters. I think Phil Noto's work on the Poe Dameron book. Mm. is a perfect example of how like movie to comic book you know art should be handled. It yeah. looked like Oscar Isaac in every panel, but nothing looked like it was a shot of Oscar Isaac from mm-hmm. uh The Force Awakens. Well, I mean, Phil Noto should just pretty much draw everything in my opinion. I mean, he's <laughs> That guy's he's, incredible. He's amazing. Um I would read anything that he draws in fact. I I I think I picked up a it was terrible. It was terribly written. It was a like it was called like Trigger Girl Six or something. It was like a it was like a collection. I think oh it was um, Jimmy Palmiotti. I think wrote it, and it was terrible. But but the art but the art was amazing. So I yeah I picked it up. But um, yeah, Noto's uh, like I'll be like I'm, I do a lot of caricature work like myself. So mm-hmm. um, I'll be working on something and just. You know, scrolling through Twitter, Instagram, and he'll post something, and then I'm just like, "Well, I'm done. What? Why? <laughs> why am I even bothering?" Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's so pretty to look at, but then you're like, "Oh, so that's how you're supposed to do it." Yeah, one of one of my favorite pieces of art, period, is from him, and it's um, it looks like Carrie Fisher from Return of the Jedi, and she's wearing Vader's costume from the neck down, uh, and she's holding a lightsaber, and it's that's that's it, that's the image, but it's that's awesome. the likeness is so good, and it's just such a cool image some of, some of my favorite work that he's done has been and I don't know if th- these were actually in something or if he was just doing them like they were just passion pieces or whatever but he would do these uh, he made them look like old photographs of like the Marvel Universe like oh here's Scott and Jean at the beach yeah you know or those. here's you know here's uh, you know Reed and Sue on their wedding day and they look like they were old black and white photos yeah. or like old uh, like Polaroids or something and You'd see someone like blurry in the background, but you could tell it was like the thing or something, you know. Just and they, and there's nothing really like terribly exciting about these photos, but they just look like like there was a photographer following them around, and they just look just really cool. And that you know? that fits into 
Marvel's whole aesthetic because Marvel is, you know, real life. It's happening here. Yeah. You know, it's part of this world. And so the quiet moments like that, I mm-hmm. think, have just as much impact as, you know, a dynamic shot of Spider-Man mm-hmm. swinging through the city. Yeah. I think um, uh, Bob Hack does something similar. Uh, uh, Robert Hack, he, he uh, does some... I've seen it at shows where he has these prints where they look like they're... Um, uh, magazine covers, um, but like old, like he, you know, he he has a way, like he he makes them look old and distressed or whatever. Um, it'll be like Tony Stark on the cover of Popular Mechanics, or you know, uh, Reed Richards on the cover of like some like Science magazine yeah. or something, and it looks really, you know, it looks really cool. So, um, so does um anyone have any uh any comics they want to talk about? I didn't want to. I don't have a specific issue, okay, to discuss. I know you guys talked about uh, um, Man of Steel one. You've got you've got very specific issues. I, uh, yes, but not that I want to talk about. Um, Are you caught up? Have you read up to Man of Steel four? Yes, and I just want to. Do you uh, want to talk talk Man of Steel? Yeah, I'm, I'm I, caught I, up on Man of Steel. I just want to make a comment on it. Um, if we want to get into it, we can get into like the nuts and bolts of it. I just want to say I I'm loving it. I'm really enjoying it. There was some concern we had voiced um, what kind of Bendis we were getting on this, like A-plus Bendis or Avengers versus X-Men Bendis, and it's A-plus Bendis. And I know Scott always jags him that he, all the characters speak in the same voice, but that is mm. definitely not the case here. Um, it's been really thrilling to see, like, his take on the different DC characters. Like, there's just been a hint of Batman was kind of interesting mm-hmm. like um but what really stuck out to me the most was uh green lanterns in issue four and you know they always talk green lantern as the space cop and he wrote him as a space cop he's a cop yeah, like, yeah. It's, uh-huh. i've never read a green lantern where he just it's not like overdone or it's just very subtle just his the way how jordan is speaking and his mm-hmm. approach there and everything like it's a cop and he's like, "Well, I gotta call this in or stuff like that." <laughs> yeah, it's, so there's but, a, like he, he's got like the, he's like a certain cadence of how he talks. There, yes, that is a cop. Kevin McGuire did the artwork for that issue, and oh, I can't I, get it. I can't get past the haircut on Hal Jordan. I'm like, has this guy never <laughs> seen Hal Jordan before? Yeah. <laughs> he never has a buzz cut. There were a couple times when I was reading it where I'm like, was this supposed to be Guy Gardner? Yeah, I, and clearly, clearly it isn't. But mm-hmm. you know, me being you know such a Green Lantern fan, I just couldn't, I couldn't get past it. But yeah, I like the way that that they handle that because a, a lot of the time when I'm reading um, different Green Lantern books, I think the same thing. I'm like, well, what happens if like that one, that exact yeah. thing happens? Like, who's responsible? Yeah. Where does he go? Like, what are the, you know, what's the procedure for that? Like, does Hal take Rogel's R with him? Is it Superman's responsibility? Hmm. So there's so there's a question of jurisdiction, right? Yeah, yeah, but it, it, it's not like that's not the focal point. Okay, but it, it's very fascinating the way it's done and the way that he's used. I'm not a big Green Lantern reader, but I, whatever I've seen Green Lantern in, I've never seen him like specifically in this type of role. And I was like, but this is what he's what I know about him. Like this is exactly what he should be. So it was. Well, and I feel Very like that's what, that's what everyone has wanted for the past, I don't know how many years, when everyone says, you know, how to fix Green Lantern, like, make him a space cop again. You know, and, yeah, I feel like, I, I, no, I'm not reading, I haven't read Green Lantern, God, in years, but 
So I don't know if that's what we're getting in the actual Green Lantern books now or or what, but I feel like that was always the fun thing about the idea of Green Lantern is, I mean, yeah, space taking cop, statements. I mean, like when you first introduced him the issue, he's taking statements to sort of like, it's used as like as a recap of what has just happened and everything too. So yeah, we're we're currently getting some space copness in Green Lantern, but it's on such a it's on such a large scale. It's like I like the intimacy in this issue of one Green Lantern coming out coming to one planet, coming after yeah. one guy. In the Green Lantern book, it's all of the Green Lanterns dealing okay. with a large you know like universe ending threat. So I'd like to man just. Get, put Hal Jordan in his own book, like in his own space sector, mm. doing space cop things on Earth. Like I want to see the more personal aspects of his life. I want to see him back home, you know, with his brother and his nephews. I want to see his relationship problems, and at the same time, you know, deal with uh, mm-hmm. like one-on-one space cop issues. Yeah, I feel like that. I wonder if that. I mean, how uh, Bendis would be on a Green Lantern book because he's he's. You know, he cut his teeth writing crime comics, so it'd be kind of neat to see him merge the two, like the crime aspect and the the sci-fi or the you know whatever, like the superhero aspect. Yeah, because that could be really the fun of it is taking like that grounded criminal approach, mm-hmm. and then the subjects are these kooky alien sci-fi types, and then mm-hmm. just using that juxtaposition of the two. Yeah, there there could be a lot of fun there. Yeah, like he's got a he's got a snitch on a planet that he's got to go check out, you know, yeah. something like and that. It's some like tentacled three eye creature. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So, um, did you have any other Man of Steel takeaways? Do you like Rogelzar? You know, I don't. I, I always kind of roll my eyes whenever it's like, here's the another secret of Krypton's past. It's like, good All man. Right. Good man. All right. <laughs> Here we go. Like it doesn't it's like but at the same like whatever. Is know. this is this Jorel stuff for real? Um like, you know, he, I have to go back is that really Jorel yes, now? Yes, cuz there was a uh, it was like the Mr. Oz like right. hidden character. And then I forgot how that storyline ended. I have to go back and recheck cuz I thought he was killed off or something. I don't know why I thought I that. forget how it ended yeah. myself. Yeah, but he I'm comes just... back at the end of this issue and I hate it. Yeah, it, it it does. I wouldn't say I hate it. It was kind of said, all right. <laughs> Again, I was thought I was like, all right. So he's. I, I forgot. I thought he was killed off at the end. So I was surprised. I thought, still I thought he was too. So if he's still in play, then I mean, at the same token, like whenever they start bringing back Kryptonians, it kind of dilutes the whole last Kryptonian. Like Clark and Kara, I'm cool with. After that, it's like right. I'm I give in, you I'm one. In the same, I give same you one. Boat. I give you one. <laughs> last Kryptonian plus one, and then I'm just like, yeah. Zod. Z- okay. I'll allow Zod and Ursa. Yeah, yeah, because the, you can justify that like, well, they were in Phantom Zone. Right. Krypton blew up, so that makes it. But once you, and I, we're going to. I'm moving goalposts here because then like Argo is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't like. Like Brainiac uh, yeah, took that long before, so like they. That's cool too. I don't, I don't, I don't like this this new Silver secret Kryptonian Age. business. <laughs> like Silver Age, I don't know. Uh, yeah, when you just keep like now, Jor El is back, and Jor El is kind of like an anti-hero. And type. everything we've known about why Krypton blew up now it has yeah. now it has something to do with this 
horrible Rogel's are. Yeah, character that, design. That's so they're still they're still going with that. Oh yeah, that I mean that that like, is the the crux of so the, he's, the Man of Steel storyline is that, that there's this Rogel's are was he definitely destroyed like Krypton. I mean, it is, seems is that what way. they're saying. Okay. That's, I mean, unless they throw us a curveball here. That's what I kind of thought was going to happen. Like eventually, you were going to find out. Oh, he thought he did, but it, you know, yeah, I, I, some, I, some, someone left the crockpot plugged in too long or something. Two issues <laughs> left, and they could still just be like, yeah, curve away could, from. Yeah, it. I still think it's going to be inconsequential. I think he's going to be there, but not have anything to do with why Krypton actually blew up. But I didn't think Bendis was going to honor this Jarrell nonsense, and he is. So yeah, was, yeah, I mean, I maybe he is going to have Rogelzar blow up Krypton, hmm. but like I like a lot of the things he's doing with the Superman character. Yeah. Um, but I absolutely do not like the Jor-El and Rogelzar stuff, and that Rogelzar design is the worst. I'm not a '90s comic guy. Like I don't <laughs> like just your bad guys big and muscly, and like mm-hmm. that's not for me. So every time I see Rogelzar, it's it's painful. Yeah, I I. I Agree. I don't. I don't feel as strongly. I'm just sort of like, yeah, whatever. I, I can look past it. Um, it won't be my first choice. But yeah, I, especially like I said, the whole like whenever it's a here's what you didn't know about. It just feels kind of like a cop out. So while the writing and the characterization from Bendis is strong, the choice of like initial plot feels like a bit it feels a little lazy mm-hmm. to, to use strong wording I suppose like can't he just be like why does it I mean maybe by maybe this question will be answered by the time he wraps up this story but does it have to be from Krypton can't Rogelzar have just like been a victim of Superman saving some other planet or not saving another planet can't there can't he just be coming for revenge because there's nothing there's nothing interesting about this character mm-hmm. so far so why not just go the complete not interesting and just make him here for revenge? Because he is. Does it have to tie into Krypton? We've gotten 80 years of Krypton history. I think yeah. we know everything about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, this, this no, that's a good be, point. Yeah. We even shouldn't be introducing he, new things at this point. If you had been wrong by like a past Kryptonian or whatever, I could live with that. But the whole, like, here's a secret of Krypton's destruction, that, that angle I, I, I could do without. Now, if it turns out like he had been wrong like centuries ago by some Kryptonian, and so this is the only way he can get rid of he just hates yeah. Kryptonians, and well, there's these two left, and I'm going after them. I could have lived with that. That would have been more interesting to me. But yeah, the whole aspect of the unknown secrets of Krypton's destruction is just kind of boring. But yeah, I was surprised to see the Jor-El character show up. I guess I'm of two minds on it. It depends to see what he's doing with it. Um, again, it's kind of just dumb that now that Jorah was back and he's this like anti-hero type character. He wants to kill the earth. Yeah. They don't deserve yeah, Clark's love. Yeah. He had that very cliched uh, motivation. And that's not that wasn't uh, that wasn't Bendis. Who wrote no, that? No that was, was that uh, Tomasi and Gleason. Well it was in the, the Tomasi Gleason Superman Jurgens action both. Like those issues bounce yeah, back. Yeah. The, the Mr. Oz, I the Oz was, effect bounce back. I think back it was Jurgens because sounds, I like Tomasi and Gleason a lot. It sounds like a Jurgens, a Jurgens. I don't, yeah, I don't know who exactly <laughs> got that ball rolling. I guess it could be Jurgens. Damn it, Dan Jurgens. Yeah, <laughs> just go away. When you stayed too long. Yeah, yeah, he's definitely been at the party too long. <laughs> it's like we're trying to clean up, man. Can you go home? 
like, no. <laughs> Come on, guys. Let's have another beer. Breaks out the bag of Coke. Who <laughs> wants to play beer pong? It's five in the morning. Oh, damn, Jerry. <laughs> uh, well, Paul, looks like you got a stack of uh, stuff next to you. What do you uh, What have you been reading these days? Um, I wasn't sure what we were going to be talking about today. Um, so I just brought, like, the last few books that I got, one of them being the last. Oh, there it is. Man of Steel. There, there it is. Go. And... Um, the first two of Scott Snyder's Justice League issues. Mm, I haven't oh, read the second one yet. I read the first. Yeah, one. I've only read the first one. Um, second one's in a stack at home. This, I don't mean to step on your toes, but this was a strong week for books and mm-hmm. like where to start. So and it's just been a slow burn getting through them. But no. I digress. I was really excited about this Justice League book going in because. Finally, they got those two fake-ass Green Lanterns out of the Justice League. <laughs> if only they could eliminate Cyborg from this book, we could get a real Justice League again. But I will, mm-hmm. uh, I'll suffer through Cyborg so long as those dumb Green Lanterns aren't around. <laughs> and we're getting, we're getting the uh, the animated series team: John Stewart, uh, mm. you know, Hawkgirl, Barry Allen, it's that Wally West, but Martian Manhunter's back, and. I really like the team, and I really want to like this book. But, man, does Scott Snyder make this thing complicated? There's It's playing off of all the metal stuff that oh, he's yeah. been writing over the last, what, year or so? Something like that, yeah. Oh, so yeah. Two years? I mean, if you want well, cause the, the seeds of it go back to, to the, like, well, the beginning of his Batman run, but, yeah, yeah the metal itself. It was just like last summer, I think. So it's a year plus. Yeah. So I read the four uh, no justice issues from the him and Francis Mann, <coughs> and they were good. Uh, I, I liked it. You know, big like interesting story. The way Brainiac puts the goofy are, teams together. Are you also reading Avengers? No. I don't know how this happens, but they're the same plot. Yeah. <laughs> they're the same. Like, I know. In the Justice League, no justice, oh, yeah. and the current Avengers are the same <clears throat> exact plots of giant. God-type creatures have come to destroy the Earth. Yeah. Yeah, I, I got the first Avengers like, issue, yeah. and I didn't like it. <laughs> but I was reading it, and I was, like, flipping between that and just and that No Justice. I was like, wait a second. Yeah. Yeah, they are the same same idea. Mm-hmm. And, it, the, like, this book just seems overly complicated. And, like, I, I don't know if it's because I'm not really caught up on the all the metal stuff, but... Since, um, like, I guess since Rebirth relaunched, Lex, Lex Luthor's kind of been a good guy. He's been, you know, I he's guess. had questionable yeah. motivations, but he's been he's been on, on the Justice League. He's been working with the team. He's still a dick, but he's, mm-hmm. you know, for all intents and purposes, I guess an anti-hero at this point. But now he's just going straight up bad again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they he, at the end of the first was like he was reforming the League of or the uh, Legion of Doom. League of yeah. Doom. Yeah. Yeah. Which he which he does, and it seemed like I really liked what Jeff Johns was doing with with that Lex. That Lex made sense. Mm-hmm. Um, this one, it seems like Scott Snyder wants to take him back to you know mustache twirly, big you know you know big you know like James Bond villain mm-hmm. plots to to trap the good guys and just like come on guys be better be better. I, I haven't read something this, really good going. I haven't on. read number two yet, but number one it was just and this is a, a Snyder thing where it's like. Asking questions and just keep asking questions. Like, like, just reveal something, damn it. Like, it's give like me they, a payoff. They, it says all these teases at concepts and just asking and just a giant Russian nesting doll. It's like, yeah, it's questions like, when, it's and like when you, you open a big present and then there's another present inside. You yeah. open that and there's another one inside. Yeah, it's, it's, just, like, it's just a bunch of boxes wrapped. Yeah. In, with inside, yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I, um, yeah, I haven't read the second issue. I, I, I did like in the first issue, though, how they, um, to your point, Paul, how you said it was like the, the Justice League Unlimited team. Um, but it seemed like they were doing that thing where they were pulling certain heroes for certain, like, missions. Like, there was the, like, underwater team, and then there was the jungle team, and then, like, the Arctic team. And it was like, you could see in the background, like, there was different characters that, like, are not maybe on the the proper team, but they, like, pull them in for, like, their specific, uh, you know, uh, traits, like what mm-hmm. they can do or their specialties or whatever. I thought that was kind of cool. So... Yeah, it seems like they're all like these. These members are going to have a specific reason for being together and for being on the team, mm-hmm. and I like it because this is sort of my Justice League. These are the guys I want to see work together. Yeah, I will. But, I, I will agree though. I've never. I, I don't care what they do, and I, I've ne- nothing against the character. I, I don't. I don't want Cyborg on the team. No, he's I don't a, either. He's a Titan. He should, you know. It seems like they've been trying to force that for years, yeah, and it just forever. feels out of place. Yeah, I think it's it's a a uh, marketing decision to have diversification amongst it, mm-hmm. so it's not just a bunch of Aryans as your main team. But he's, and then all you have is ninety percent robot. Though I know, but well, that ten percent <laughs> is an underrepresented. But uh, his but his robot body was built in Detroit. And that's all they have. <laughs> no, I don't know. Who drew uh, number two? Is that uh, Jimenez two. or Chunks? Uh, yeah, two is uh, Jimenez. Okay. He's good. I like his stuff. Yeah, I, I think the art's great. Like, the art, you know, so color, everything's awesome. I don't know if they were trading off or they were doing arcs. Yeah, so, so I was going to say, did, did we only have Chung for the first issue? I think they're trading off, but I'm not. Oh, okay. Don't quote me on that. That's been a DC thing lately. Put this big, high-profile guy on the first issue, mm-hmm. and then he just disappears. Yeah. And somebody well, else. Chung did the uh, first two of Marvel two and one, and then like. Oh, that's I right. Think he so came back. Did he? Yeah, I did. But I didn't. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, we'll we'll see where this goes. I I don't know if I'm gonna give Scott Snyder a long leash with this. I didn't like where um his Batman story mm. went to with uh with um Greg Capullo. I liked I liked a good bit of it, but once they got into all the Riddler stuff and the zero mm. year business mm-hmm. like, zero year went on way too long. It was way too long. I, mean, I, I didn't hate it, that. we discussed this yeah, back I would say it it went on literally a year, didn't it? I f- it, yeah, it may have gone on exa- for twelve, thirteen issues and it just yeah. yeah. It drug. I don't like the new Riddler. I think he's. I think the, you know, the character design is dumb. He's. He looks like, he kind of looks like Jim Carrey, but he's like he's big and ripped. Yeah, I was he always say, has like his the, shirt unbuttoned yeah. down to his belly button. He's, he's like got the a new big sexy question Riddler. Mark star or I'm not question mark star. This. It's like here's a riddle for you. Who's who's sexy? <laughs> the yeah. Riddler is. And uh, it's. I was hoping that was just going to be like a Scott Snyder, Greg Capullo thing, and then once we got back into. You know, the regular DCU would be the -hmm. Riddler again. But for Tom King's Batman run, when uh, Michael Janine was doing the art, it's the same big, ripped, sexy Riddler, (laughs) unbuttoned shirt. And it's not – it made sense in Scott (coughs) Snyder's story where where they were going because he was, you know, trading barbs intellectually with Batman. But, like, this – I don't don't like it. It it doesn't feel like – 
the Riddler. The Riddler to me should be like little and like kind of wiry. Yeah. I googled sexy Riddler. <laughs> Oops. Oh, no. mm. oh dear. You're, you're gonna regret that. <laughs> and uh, it did not. It did not give me what I was looking for. <laughs> or did it? Well, <laughs> it's what I didn't know. Page <laughs> bookmarked. <laughs> well, um, I don't know if you guys ever. Um, this goes back a couple of years, but if you guys uh, were reading Gotham City Sirens, hmm. um, I, that was a pretty good book. But the, the thing I liked is they brought in the jo- oh, Joker. They brought in the Riddler as a like a supporting character, where he was um, sort of reforming. Um, I mean, he was still the Riddler, but he was trying to go a different path, and he actually became. Uh, and it, it made sense for the character. I'm like, how have they ever done this before? He actually became a private investigator. Oh. I'm like that's kind of interesting. Yeah, because I mean, like his whole thing is riddles. So it's like, what if he were to reverse engineer that, and mm-hmm. and he now he's trying to solve riddles or mysteries or whatever. And so he he was working with the like the the was it like Catwoman, Harley, and Poison Ivy. I think were the the main characters in that book. Um, and he would show up every so often. And I think there was one issue that was just um, like a fill-in issue. It was just him. Was he on a case. Riddler? He wasn't. No, he was not. He was. He was a bowler hat. Bowler hat with the. He still wore the domino mask, even though he was like, you know, he, he and he had an office. It was like, you know, Edward J. Enigma or whatever, private investigator. But he still showed up every day in his in his costume. Um, but there was this one issue where he was like on a case, and it was very like noirish, and it was like there was a femme fatale, and it was really good. I'm like, why don't they do this? You know. So riddle me this. Bro, do you even lift? <laughs> bro, bro, do you even riddle? Yeah, I like I, I like that aspect of, of the Riddler a lot. The one I always gravitate to is what um, Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale did in The Long Halloween. Oh, man, it's been so long since I've read that. Where he's just, he's kind of their, like, CI. Okay. He's, you know, this kind of little, like, scared, ratty guy, and, you know, he's his... You know, life of crime is behind him, and now he's just kind of the CI for yeah. for Batman. And yeah. I think he plays a similar role in Catwoman, one in Rome. Okay. But I like him as you know the, more of a gray area character like that, mm. other than you know the big ripped you know yeah. crime boss. That just doesn't. It, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's weird. Doesn't seem right. He's not allowed to feel good about his body. <laughs> he's been working out. Yeah. Why are you body? What are you body shaming the Riddler? <laughs> That's a that's a statement I didn't expect to hear when I woke up today. <laughs> Even knowing where I was coming, I did not expect this to go there. You're welcome. Um, so, uh, Chip, you um, you said there was a book you were you were reading that you wanted to mention, right? Um, yeah, um, which I uh, don't find myself that uh, much. I don't follow the character that much, but um, the, the writer is a Donny Cates has been doing a bunch of stuff at Marvel, and I find his approach to comics very refreshing. Mm-hmm. He's very creative. He's got this master, uh, masterful way of, of ending an issue with uh, like a like a significant uh, story moment or a reveal, like every issue. And I've been reading him for like a year on various things, and he mm-hmm. does it every time. And it's the way you were talking about... Um, uh, Scott Snyder with all the, the, the story questions within the questions within questions. Um, I don't feel like Donnie Cates is dragging it out. Like, I feel like I get an issue 
mm-hmm. stuff happens and things there's growth every issue it's not just like oh yeah you might as well just wait for the trade to get the full like feeling from it yeah but the dude is just he's killing it like it's like here's an issue boom like what last page all right i'm coming back like every time like i hit a lot of marvel books lately it's like oh yeah that nothing really happens and there's nothing telling me to come back for the next issue but the dude's like how about this I'm like what is that <laughs> what <laughs> where so it, just his pacing and he's he's got characters he's in their heads like it's not just you know like I like Bendis' stuff, but all he does, all they do is talk. Yeah. Like I don't get, I don't get their feelings. I don't get like, uh, I, I want to be told a story, and get into their heads and stuff. And Donny Cates is doing that. So like I guess in the, his approach to Venom is to, like, cause Eddie Brock just accepted the symbiote, and didn't really like yeah, but there's this weird alien now in your body. Why is he not afraid? So there's he's kind of put him in a situation where. You know, he's got to be kind of worried about, you know, what the symbiote's going to do because this big giant uh, symbiote god thing shows up. Hmm. Um, and he's, he's fleshing it out. He's done some, like, retconning of, like, there were symbiotes back in the Vietnam era or something. So he's going oh, along okay. that path, but I'm just, like, the dude's just, he's hitting all the notes and, like, stuff is progressing. It's forward momentum and uh, creative crap, like, out of left field. I'm like, yeah, that's what I want. Mm-hmm. Did you did you get this book because you like Venom or because you like Donny Cates? I I fully fell onto him with like his Thanos run and uh, uh, his Doctor Strange run was fantastic. But like, and I don't really care about Venom right now. Yeah. Like, but like now I do. Like he's mm-hmm. it's like when I fell in love with Peter David back in the nineties. Like I didn't care about Aquaman. Wow. Like, I didn't, like I would say that's that's a pretty that's pretty bold. I mean, but but that that really says a lot to, about his. Oh, he's comparing like yeah, Peter David. Like, That's reading comics this long, you're just like, eh, it's another one, another month, another <laughs> yeah. another story. But this guy, like, I'm like, oh, this is good. This is exciting. Like, this is like, when's the next issue? What else is he doing? He's doing Cosmic Ghost Rider, which got me really excited. Well, not not really because I don't like whatever. But then, mm-hmm. like, Howard the Duck's in it, and <laughs> he has what, what's Cosmic Ghost Rider? So Cosmic Ghost Rider was it's introduced. An interesting premise. It was introduced in the Thanos book. Um, and it, it, the Thanos book took place, like, millions of years in the future. Um, and a, a certain character ended up being possessed by Ghost Rider. I don't know if I should spoil it, because it's, it's a currently existing Marvel character that you wouldn't have saw coming. Mm. Um, but it, Oh, I, I know who you're talking yeah, about. Okay. Like, so that resonated with people. So, I mean, obviously, now they're going to do a series mm-hmm. um, taking place in Hanum in the same time frame. But Donny Cates tweeted an image, and he's like, yeah, there's uh, Howard the Ducks in it. And he has the gem of Sidorak. And I'm like, <laughs> seriously, Jugger Duck? <laughs> Jugger Duck's a thing? I'm like, fine, I'll read everything you do. Just That's kind of Whatever, awesome. I don't care. Like, I, I haven't been this excited for a writer in, like, decade. Oh, like, man. Like, everything. I'm like, Fall of Inhumans? I don't care. Well, you're an old <laughs> jaded like, comic guy. This is this is big news. I, I, I me too. Say, yeah, it's I like mean, I've yeah. found like born again comic yeah, reader. I, now I, I definitely <laughs> want to because I've I've been hearing a lot of good things. Like I mean, all, you know, it's like someone's talking about his Thanos book. Someone's talking mm-hmm. about Doctor Strange. Someone's talking about Venom. But I mean, to hear like like you say, like all of them have been. You he's, know, he's I I don't know what if he sold his soul, but the writing is just. I'm like I'm turning pages. Like oh, crap, yeah. I have to go get some comics. He did a. He came to my attention with a book from Image called God Country that was oh, um, this I, about this magic sword that belongs to this 
that was old good. senile dude and when he gets the sword he is you know he writes and he's he, he's aware of his you know his faculties and stuff and but it's this this sword of swords like every every sword every blade was born from this blade and it's this over the top kind of thing that takes place in like Oklahoma and there's like gods and stuff and yeah. it was it was insane so and like every every like I found myself wavering I'm like I don't know where this is going but last page he would go yeah you're coming back like every time I'm like okay so I read the whole series and when he got a Marvel deal, I'm like, okay, this could be amazing. So did did God Country end, or did it end because he went to Marvel? It seemed like he just wrapped it up and was done. Okay. He said that, you know, this is one and done, but then last last week he tweets an image that's the logo. So I think it's coming back. I'll have um, to pick that back up because I, I, I read the first two or three issues, and I really liked it. Um, but, yeah, I, just, I think I just got distracted, and I mm. never went back, but... I'll have to pick that. I'll have to finish that. I, I really liked what I read. It was a real, um, it was a neat, I mean, between his, the story and the, the art was, mm. a, you know, was well, a the guy, compliment to each other. Uh, was it? I'm trying to remember which book. He took that writer to either, Than, either Thanos or the artist he took to Thanos or, uh, I think it was Thanos. They did Thanos together. So um, there was a lot of fun stuff in there, I think. Cool. I think we'll have to pick up this. Cosmic Ghost Rider series. I see it's a five issue. Yeah, yeah, it's just a mini. And I see, uh, I was looking at the previews of the covers, and issue three has the the Jugger Duck you were talking about. Jugger Duck. I'm like, <laughs> like that's just gonna be our and response. It's, it's interesting to see how. I, I guess we're not saying who the Cosmic Ghost Rider is, but to see because when what I've seen of it, I'm not randomly seeing little previews or he seems rather flip. On, yeah, it's on, not like personality-wise. You wouldn't have. You would have. Yeah. Like, oh, it's that. And like, no, he's, he comes across as very kind of Deadpool, like Spider-Man, yeah. kind of like that quick wit. Um, and then they go, "It's this guy." I'm like, oh. And then he. So like, and that's the thing that also made me love his stuff is like he'll, he'll like oh here he'll hint that this is a character that we know and, um, and I'm used to like it being drawn out like six issues and we don't find out who it is, but like an issue or two later, you know, he drops it. Here you go, and he moves on from it. It's not like, yeah, I'm gonna wait until the second trade to tell you. It's like, no, he's just like, <laughs> here you go, you need to know this. We'll move on. Like, it's quick. It's not just the long, drawn out, like, you know, two year process of finding yeah. out who the character is. And, like, it's just, I love the pacing. Kind of like, like the Red Hulk. Exactly <laughs> oh, like yeah. the Red Hulk, and like, uh, what was it, Lady Thor? Oh kinda yeah. Kind of like, like, just tell me, move on. That's, right. If that's the most interesting thing about the character. That's not very yeah, interesting because once you reveal that, you, then it's over. Yeah, like that's you, you lose, lose a lot. You, you lose, lose the mystery. You lose a lot of people because it's like, oh, yeah, we knew that was him. Never mind. Yeah, I like oh Thunderbolt Ross, awesome. Somebody, somebody <laughs> picked that 15 minutes after it was announced. Okay, cool. Yeah, cool. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely gonna have to go back and start looking at some of those, uh, some of those books. I think Thanos might be already on. Like I, I subscribe to the Marvel Unlimited. I think Thanos might be on. It's possible. It's like it's a, it's a six months old. Like yeah. every issue went to like three or four printings, so like wow. it was hot. Oh. Yeah, and I, I think I, I, I heard or read that that the issue that um, Cosmic Ghost Rider first appeared is like Thanos thirteen. It's like crazy. Yep, it, it like it, hard to get. Yeah, it blew up. It's expensive. Yeah. Like fifty bucks or something stupid. Damn. Um, just because it's issue thirteen, so it's like that whole beginning of the legacy thing. So the orders might not have been there. Mm-hmm. But I don't plus, know. I mean, like as, as good as Thanos 
pro- it probably even was like how many people like how many were getting ordered. You know what I mean? Like it was uh, sort of the orders were low to begin with. Yeah, yeah, with, probably with, with a book like Thanos. So but, yeah, we check out his Doctor Strange too. He introduces uh, Bats the dog as a talking dog. I don't want to go too far into it, but it's. <laughs> Oh my god! I'm like it's amazing. I'm like just the little things that he does, and he he takes them and he fully realizes them. Yeah, like I can't wait to see what Juggernaut looks like. It's probably not. It's not just gonna be a throwaway him in a one fight scene. Mm-hmm. He's gonna do stuff with it. Um, I just love he just putting creativity into it. And yeah, fleshing everything out. So. I would say probably Juggernaut is something I didn't expect to hear when I was. <laughs> <laughs> that's in the canon now. Yeah. Um. Okay, well, um, I was going to, real quick, just, uh, I guess we can start wrapping things up unless um, anyone has anything else they want to talk about, something they've read. But um, So I was just going to mention real quick, so I've recently read um, Bloodstrike Brutalist, number mm. zero. With, yes. Uh, done, done by, I think the, the, the entire thing was done by um, Copra creator, um, is it Michelle Fife? So I, Thief, Michel, yeah, I'm, I think it might he's be a, like Michel. Isn't he, is he like a French? It may, it he's sounds, a French creator. It sounds, yeah. He does Copra. Uh, but he did the – he's doing the Bloodstrike book, and it's it's really good. But – well, not – I mean, not like mind-blowing, but it's it, it's that combination of the batshit crazy Bloodstrike from the 90s with a, like, indie comics – Sensibility. It's like, the, and, and, and the art reflects that and the storytelling. And it's not what I expected to 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 read when I, you know, when I first looked at it. I thought it was like, you know, like, oh, I'll just, you know, anytime I see like a blood strike, I'll, <laughs> I kind of like, I'm, oh, I'll just, I'll hate read this. <laughs> you know? Is Bloodstrike a '90s image character? Yes, it it's is. a it's a team. Is it a team? Oh, is yeah, it? it's a team of like. Yeah, right. it's the, the I forget who's even in it. Like, oh, who knows? Yeah, yeah, I thought it, I thought it was one character. It's like a Rob Liefeld thing. It, I think it was one character at one point um, when they he tried to re, like resurrect the the, the property. That it did turn into like one character who was basically like a Deadpool for all intents yeah, and purposes. Yeah, I mean, these are all these characters are are all but now rip-offs of yeah, yeah. He's now he's just ripping off himself. Ripping off Marvel, ripping off whatever, but um, he uh, yeah, it's been brought back a couple of times, but now this time, I, th- I think it's interesting that Leefield is like letting other people like when, when he lets other people manage his properties, they're actually readable. You know, like because sure. Jared, we were reading like you're reading that Young Blood, right? Yeah, I mean that's been it was really very, good. It's very enjoyable. Yeah, the new Young Blood's really good. Um, that the new Blood Strike has been. Like I said, that first issue was 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 really a lot of fun to read. Um, so, like, yeah, I can't believe I'm reading a Bloodstrike book. Um, well, we live in an interesting time where it's like folks who were adolescents when those books came out, right? And like, were just inspired by the imagination of those books, um, are now creators themselves. Yeah, and are writing basically like love letters to. Nostalgia mm-hmm. for this era. Yeah, um, yeah, it, yeah. It, Fief's an interesting creator because he's very much got like an ind- indie sensibility, but he does earnest like superhero storytelling mm-hmm. with his books. I mean, Copra was one 
I think I, I this isn't a ringing endorsement, but it was. <laughs> I, I need to revisit it because is it going to be better than it's okay? <laughs> <laughs> Nothing I, is better I've, than it's okay. <laughs> I've never fallen asleep before reading a comic, <laughs> but cope. And again, it may have been time and place, so I'll, I'll I'll take some responsibility for this of laying on the futon. Looking at it, and next thing you know, I'm waking up, and it's like on my chest. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted, like I said, I, I need to go back and revisit because I do want to. It looked like something that I would and should enjoy, but at the time I tried reading it, it was just snooze fest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So again, I, I'll take some responsibility for. It. I won't put that all on him. But I, what I like too, Dan, about this blood strike book is even like the the dressing of the book itself was mm-hmm. uh, a shout out to those early image books. Like the inside front cover was just like those original image books mm-hmm. the way it was set up. I have if you remember Oh yeah. You guys can see it. Oh. So I mean and I was probably, when it was that ninety two when they all came out. That sounds about right. I mean so I've been twelve. Ninety two, ninety three, something like that. Uh, yeah, I'd say twelve, thirteen. And I remember getting, like, all the first couple of them all and then realizing, oh, this is what, well, like, writers and editors do. Do you remember Blood Strike number one, Rub the Blood? No. It, no. I think by the time it got that deep into, like, Extreme Studios, I had already... It had one of those. It had, like, it was a, a gimmick cover where it had, like, some sort of heat-sensitive um, <laughs> splatter on it where if, like, you rubbed it, like, it turned red. And it, like, it literally said on the front cover, Rub the Blood. I'm like, no. Now I don't remember that. <laughs> that's um, but that's before my comic reading time. I feel like we're back in the '90s, like the sensibilities. I'm like, mm-hmm. like was it uh, Hulkarine is now a thing? Like the oh, Wolver Hulk thing? Weapon Age? Well, yeah, Weapon Age. Uh, like this, mm-hmm. like this seems like. And the, the weird cover things are back, and the multi covers, and mm-hmm. chromium. And, chromium comes back. Yeah, then it's like and holograms and Rogelzar's design. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Like it's basically yeah. it's basically Doomsday. So yeah, I'm surprised like, they didn't just name him like you know like Blood Planet Killer, <laughs> uh, Scythe or something. I'm taking that. That's a good one. Blood Planet Killer, number one coming this August. Yeah. You heard it here first. <laughs> uh, well, well, kind of speaking of the '90s. So the other thing I was going to mention real quick that I read recently and really enjoyed was uh, Stellar number one, also from Image. It was uh, written by Joe Keating, who did uh, Glory. I don't know if you guys read the when uh, they brought back Glory for like a I thirty or thirty six yeah, issue I run or I, something. I think I read like the first um, tr- like the trade of it or whatever. And uh, Brett Blevins oh, did I, the art. I like his art so much. And I haven't so he, I read him mostly on New Mutants. New Mutants Annual Number Four. I had such a crush on Boom Boom from that <laughs> issue, and it's his fault. <laughs> Well, um, and then he went on to Sleepwalker, which... Oh, yeah. Yeah, oh, which I, forgot about I, I think I only read, like, the first couple of issues of Sleepwalker, but oh. but I haven't heard of Brett Blevins, or heard from Ble- Brett Blevins since then. Oh, yeah. That was, like, been, it's been a long time. Like, what's he been doing? Um, but now he's randomly on this book, this, uh, this Stellar, which is this uh, really fun, uh, like, sci-fi story, just puts you right in so the first issue just puts you right in the middle of this like kind of this um the result like the uh, fallout from this like massive intergalactic war and it follows this uh bounty hunter who's that's the name like the title character is stellar that's her name and uh yeah it's just uh really good 
like solid sci like sci fi, but like add Brett Blevins to it, yeah. and he like the guy has only gotten better. Yeah, yeah, he's real good from though. from twenty you know like the past twenty years. Like he has not dulled like at all. He is still really really good. So um, yeah, I would I would recommend um, if you're like if you miss Brett Blevins. Oh yeah. I didn't know I'd missed him. I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna have to, I'll have to read that one. So that was a, yeah, that was kind of a blast from the past. I was like, oh my god, Brett Blevins. So, yeah. So that's all I've got to uh, talk about. You guys got anything I'm else? Good. No, you guys are good. Mm-hmm. Okay, put a pin in it. Yeah. All right. Cool. Well, this has been um, uh, episode two seventy eight. Of Comic Book Pit. Uh, I'm Dan. I'm Jared. Whoops. There you are. (laughs) I'm Jared. (laughs) (laughs) I already got you saying I'm Jared. Uh, I didn't know if I was on camera. Still Jared. He's still Jared. And uh, and then we've got uh, Paul from the McSauce Comic Book Podcast. Thanks for for stepping in again. Anytime. This is is always a lot of fun. Cool. And uh, Chip from New Dimension Comics. Thanks for, uh, also thanks for coming in. Yeah, no, anytime. Appreciate it. And uh, I'm Dan, again. <laughs> this has been episode Wait, wait, two. is Jared still here? Yep. I think Jared's still here. Oh, I'm Jared. Is. There he is. You need, you need the jazz hands. I'm Jared. I'm Jared. <laughs> <laughs> and this has been episode 278 of Comic Book Pit, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>